0: Well, hello White Sox fans, welcome to another edition of White Sox Daily Live. My name is Ian Eskridge,
1: I'm here with
0: my co-host, the Danny Miller. How are you doing,
1: Danny? Uh, Doing pretty well. Uh, It is a short holiday week for uh, those of us who are uh, in the uh, category of working stiffs. You know, uh, well, at least for most of us anyway, uh, I'm sure it's unfortunate that uh, some folks may have to work for the holiday, but, uh, I, for one, am looking forward to a short work week and, uh, being able to, uh, mange on some, uh, good home-cooked meals over the next, uh, few days here. How you doing, man? I'm doing good. Hey,
0: thanks for the resub there, Grimtall. 16 months. Keeping us
1: honest, man. Yeah, those numbers Keeping are us getting honest. bigger
0: every time. Thanks for the, thanks for a resub. Appreciate it. Um, so yeah, I'm doing all right, man. Um, you know, like you said, uh, yeah, that playlist, that, that song's pretty, pretty good. I enjoy it actually. Uh, infected mushroom if you're interested. Um, so yeah, I've got like a couple shows coming up this week. Um, you know, Black Wednesday is always one of the big ones at the bars. So I'm going to be out for one of those, uh. And, uh, I've lasted longer than Jerry Owens. It is true. Uh, I mean, realistically you could have, you know, it could be two months and you would have lasted longer than Jerry Owens, but this is true. Hey, um, (laughs) yeah. So, you know, black Wednesday, big day at the bars, blackout Wednesday, as I enjoy calling it because, uh, you know, those kids, man,
1: they get after it and uh, they do indeed uh i used to resemble that remark you know sometime maybe 20 plus years ago yeah we won't talk about that it's been a minute
0: yeah uh but yeah i get you know a couple of that got the uh thanksgiving of course my parents are up from north carolina so that's nice get to hang out with them and see them for a little bit yeah so that's good um yeah, so uh that's about uh that's about it for me. Um so some fun stuff has happened this week for the White Sox which, you know, uh last time we were on there was uh just a bunch of conjecture and uh we weren't exactly sure like what was going on. Um some coaching stuff has happened. Um we'll get into that in a little while. Um Did you have? Yeah, kind of
1: shocking, by the way, that it's not being talked about a little bit more. But I guess we'll get into the reasons for that a little bit here. But I'm sorry, please continue.
0: Yeah, all good. Um, so also, uh, we have, um, one thing that was interesting to me was, you know, I did you happen to catch the uh, the Tim Anderson driveline stuff?
1: Uh, not. Uh, no I you know I caught a quick glance of it uh courtesy of you actually but uh, I have not seen the whole thing so uh yeah I don't know uh if you got that dialed up
0: I do maybe uh, we can
1: uh we can allow our uh, watchers our live stream watchers to uh take uh a gander at that with me
0: yeah we'll go ahead
1: and uh fire that up here. <laughs>
0: Anderson's rocking it out at uh at drive line. And the cool thing about that is that um you know it's he's venturing out of the comfort zone of the White Sox. Now we we talked about this with um you know the whole Yasmani Grandal thing and thinking it was kind of a little bit, you know. I don't know as if I'd necessarily say off putting. I guess that you know we were worried about what the players were viewing of you know the White Sox strength and conditioning um, team, and you know like clearly you know there there's there's something there that was worth um, mentioning that we kind of thought that it was a little bit bizarre. Um you know, the fact that Yasmani Grandal is going off with the strength and conditioning coach for the Blackhawks. And that being a little bit weird, you know, like why would he not be with the White Sox? I mean, we know what's going on, you know, last year with the White Sox, you know, strength and conditioning program and with all the injuries and everything. And, For the fact that, you know, like that stuff was not really all that surprising, I suppose. Um,
1: I think, yeah, and uh, you know, couple that with the, uh, you know, the lockout and the lack of, uh, being able to even, uh, you know, have communication with the team during the, the lockout. Uh, but I mean, you know, you can take that and for what it's worth, uh, It seems that, you know, injuries were kind of a little up across the board the last couple of seasons, but the White Sox, after having a long history of not being uh, a very uh, injured team, you know, being, being, being blessed, I guess, is probably the best way to put it. Uh, After that, you know, we kind of maybe took that for granted as White Sox fans, and now the team, the team just looks snake bit. So. Uh, not to step on what you were saying, but you know, obviously, uh, there are some things that look like they need changing. And uh, I, you know, last week when we talked about Yasmani Grandal stepping away and doing his thing with the Blackhawks' strength and conditioning coach, you know, as you said, we thought it was uh, a bit striking. Although I thought maybe it was not odd, being that uh, hockey players are considered to be some of the most uh, fit and uh conditioned athletes out there but uh, now we're hearing other things about tim anderson you know moving off the driveline and uh there's some other things going on behind the scenes so
0: yeah uh, i did find some interesting things you know i i was looking into the whole thing and um something that i that i'll talk about in a little bit but um one of the things that I did find out is that um, there, the director of player development for Driveline, I was pretty floored to find out that it is Max Duto. Uh, do you know who Max Duto is? I do not. Okay. So Would you please share with the class? 2016 ninth round selection by the White Sox, Max Duto. Uh, he was out of. Um,
1: uh, and why does that name Men- not ring Menlo College. Uh, I usually uh, follow the White Sox draft down to a T. And yeah, so I, he's a, he's it a just sh- doesn't even ring a bell.
0: Yeah, I mean it was Zach Collins' draft year, um, ninth round, uh, shortstop, I believe, out of out of Menlo College, which is in California, small college. Um, anyway, uh, he was you know um, I'm wearing this. Uh, for Max Duto tonight. Um but he is the uh director for player development over at Drive Line, which I found pretty astounding knowing the uh you know how the White Sox operate generally. But um <laughs> <All right. laughs> when he was uh I think it was like 2018, he made his way to drive line in the offseason and uh he pretty much you know oh I and I did it for Dale as well. Yes. That's true um Doverdale. Yeah, so um yeah, he went there and started as a hitting coach and now he's the director of player development over there. Um Kyle body, uh uh posted um the TA as as well as TA as well, but I, I just found it uh you know Grimtall's asking what does the TA TA video tell fans? I don't even know what to look for and I would say that the the number one thing that I took away from that is that he's off getting biomechanical information and looking at analytical data. And I found that very interesting. Now, to tie that in with the White Sox coaching editions, uh, we'll just go through and um, I guess I'll start with the one that – um. Ties into what we were talking about earlier with the strength and conditioning and with the uh, keeping guys healthy. And that is Logan Jones coming over from the Diamondbacks as a strength and conditioning coach. And now uh, Logan Jones uh, put up a Twitter post uh, the other day um And it says, I have accepted a position with the Chicago White Sox that affords me the ability to be home with Courtney each night and see my family on a regular basis. I am joining an innovative and dynamic White Sox performance team. Now, uh, he is listed as the strength coach of the White Sox. Um, Now, if I was to talk about the White Sox strength and conditioning program from the last... uh, from the last little while last thing I would call it was, uh, innovative.
1: (laughs) I was thinking the same thing. As soon as you hear the word innovative, you go, well, maybe those innovations have, uh, kind of gone and and taken the team in the wrong direction. Uh, but you know, you kind of hope that, uh, maybe some fresh eyes would, uh, bring in some new innovations. Maybe he was talking about himself. Well, I
0: you know I think um, all of these all of these are gonna are going to tie into one another. All of these hires that uh, that we're talking about um, now, also with the TA biomechanics at Driveline. If he's saying that they are an innovative, uh, you know, an innovative strength and conditioning team uh my guess is that this ties into the subject that pedro grafal and rick Hahn didn't necessarily let slip at the uh introductory press conference but uh the thing that they stopped from talking about um is the reworking of the strength and conditioning program for the white Sox, and i do uh it seems to me that the team is moving in more of a biomechanical um, focus for getting these guys in shape and staying in shape and staying healthy and keeping their bodies in tip-top shape. And I find that 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 is a breath of fresh air. You know, we've talked about How the White Sox were less than analytical people, you know, analytical staff. And I did mention uh, previously that because there are – that there are less, you know, technically less analytical staff, but I believe that the case to be that their number one job is not analytically based – but there are people in the organization that are doing analytical things. And I will get into that in a, in a moment, but um, I'm happy about it. You know, I, I am uh, pleasantly surprised.
1: And you know, when uh, I am cautiously optimistic because I feel like we've heard this once or twice, just in the last couple of years. But I digress. Please continue. Yeah,
0: no, that's fair. And, and you and you could, you know, I, you would be. It wouldn't be a reason, you know. Like I, I couldn't get you off of a ledge if that was a thing that you, you know you were worried about. <laughs> you know, it would it would be one of those uh, things where I'd be like, Yeah, I get it. I understand. I understand why you are. Uh, it seems you know. You, I, well, I think a
1: few a few weeks back, you, you may have. Probably more tongue in cheek than anything. Called me amicable, Danny Miller, uh, in the middle of you know a rant of sorts, I, and it was just between the two of us. I don't believe it was on the stream. Uh, there may have been a certain Twitter poll, yeah, out there that uh, was presented by our you know our uh, Twitter handle as White Sox Daily. Uh, and, uh, you know, I made some comments and you called me amicable and I, I still have to laugh at that today because, uh, you know, for the most part, I am maybe a little over trusting of Rick Han and company here lately amicable. I don't know is a word I would use because, Oh Lord, I'm really, I'm trying to be amicable. I'm trying to keep it together right now. I'm not going to jump on that. Bandwagon of haters just yet, but man, cautiously, cautiously optimistic. And when I say cautiously, I mean cautiously. Emphasis on the cautiously.
0: Yeah, no. So, I, like you, I said, call
1: that amicable if you want, but uh, yeah, I'm gonna err on the side of caution from here out. I need to see more.
0: Yeah, Donuts Thirty <laughs> Three says you've been called worse. Uh, mm. So by him, as a matter of fact. <laughs> um. Yeah, and so Grimtal says it seems the organizational change courses in Ricky GM's MBA program are paying off. Hey, you know, I mean, whether or not this ends up being, you know, a huge change for uh the results, you know, we've we've talked about the fact that uh the the hitting program down in the minor leagues has seemed to pay dividends and that the results that are coming out of the minor leagues are uh I mean uh, again, you know you can be cautiously optimistic, you know, but last year it did show that the you know that the results were improved last year and i'll and I'll take it you know I'll take any bit of improvement I can see across across this organization now, I will say that a lot of that positive you know progression was from the hitting side of things. And there was a little bit less of it from, you know, the pitching side of things. And, um, you know, I think that that will come as the talent starts to pour in again, you know, they kind of depleted the, the farm system, bringing up a bunch of guys to the, you know, to the, to the majors. And I, I think that, uh, you know, I mean, think about, you know, Garrett Crochet never even made it to the minors, you know, and he's one of the. He would have been one of their top prospects, you know, at, at one Absolutely. at one point. I mean, even with the, uh, you know, even if he had managed to get the uh, the TJ down there, which I would imagine he probably would have, because he would have been starting full time instead of, uh, you know, just doing relief. But um,
1: yeah, that's uh that's a an argument I've seen a lot of lately about how the White Sox have mishandled his situation. Uh, it was all over Twitter in the last week, and I am sorry, but I have to kindly disagree with anybody who thinks that at this point in time, because what did you expect? You know, uh, the, you, you couldn't put him on the same trajectory as, as what Michael Kopeck had. It was just not possible or even uh, in his or the White Sox best interest. And uh, you know a UCL tear, you're not. Now I know that there's been this trend of some younger kids going and, and getting the the UCL fixed before it even goes. But that's really not something that as a professional baseball player goes out and does and just says, you know what, uh, I just made the big league roster. I'm gonna go get my UCL fixed. It doesn't happen that way. So <laughs> yeah, not so. Uh, much. I yeah, I don't want you know I I don't want to harp on this too long, but please just stop with the White Sox have handled his situation wrongly. They did not. Yeah. It was, uh, I mean, that's something they saw coming.
0: You could say that they should have got him into, uh, into starting in 2021 instead of having him back in a, in a relief role, which that, that I, that I totally get that, that I wouldn't say this, you know, off base. Um, but the thing is, is that, you know, we're looking at TJ one way or the other. I mean, I'm not, you know, I don't know what, the deal was with the velocity drop uh you know for 2021 for Garrett Crochet which came after that playoff game that he got pulled from you know right. i'm not 100% certain that you know him throwing 94 95 didn't happen to have something to do with the fact that his arm was already shot you know uh right i right. mean did they did they scan his arm you know did they do a, an mri on his arm after the season, I thought that they did. Um, and maybe it was missed that there was, you know, like maybe a partial tear or something along those lines. I don't know. Um, all I can yeah. Say the is- fact
1: of the matter is, though, is he only pitched 14 less innings than Michael Kopech did. It's not like they handled it in a way that was so ex- extremely outside of the realm of what should have been done. You know, I, I get. Yes. Could you maybe give them a spot start, giving them a couple extra innings to quote unquote stretch them out a little bit? Yeah, maybe. But again, you were talking about a season where they were cruising through the division with a, you know, a a fairly hefty lead for most of the season. Uh 2022, not so much. And we can talk about that until we're blue in the face. But you know, I, I just don't see the correlation between the two, the way people want to compare the way those two situations were handled. uh, Could there have been things done differently? Yeah, possibly would it have made much of a difference? I don't feel like it would have honestly. And that's, that's all I'm just, that's all I'm saying. I don't think it would have made much of a difference in the outcome or the uh, recovery. And that's just my humble opinion.
0: Yeah, no, it's, and it's, it's fair. You know, like I said, who knows, you know if it I don't ultimately I don't think it would have made much of a difference one way or the other you know okay so if uh if he's starting instead of instead of relieving you know he just probably what would have happened is he just would have needed TJ earlier and maybe he's right. back for the beginning of the season you know throwing at a hundred percent this year instead of you know coming in throwing you know 90 percent or whatever you know whatever point he's gonna be in his uh I guess he's throwing from hundred and twenty feet or something like that right now. Um so I mean clearly he's you know doing some rehab and everything and everything's on the up and up, but you know, like I said.
1: Yeah, and you know there were going to, there were going to be innings limits after uh UCL surgery yeah. anyway. So I mean, you know, it, it's it is what it is. It was an unfortunate event. Uh, for us as Sox fans and for Garrett Crochet and his development. But, you know, these things happen. Uh, we can't really dwell on them too long. We we just got to hope that he, you know, kind of returns a form. He gets that velocity that we all fell in love with back. And, you know, like we've pointed out on this show in the past, you know, the difference between 101, 102, 103 fastball, as opposed to 94, 95, 96, uh, the way the batter sees it is night and day. And, uh, you know, hence the reason he probably got lit up like a Christmas tree a few times before, uh, going down with that, you know, so, you know, again, I, like I said, I don't want to spend too much time on this. I want you to go ahead and continue the path that you were on. I just wanted to point some things out because I I got some things, I got some things stuck in my craw and I just got to get out here, man.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there are, yeah, there are, there are things, you know? There are certainly things that, you know, you can counter with on uh, a lot of this stuff. Um, One thing that was uh, also made known recently was, you know, speaking of Kopech, was that his knee rehab isn't progressing as fast as they were hoping that it was going to progress. And so, you know, you're looking at an innings limit, obviously, for Crochet. And Katz said that, you know... I don't think it's in the cards for him for this, you know, for starting this year. And that makes sense, you know, due to the fact that they're going to have him on an innings limit. So it's probably going to end up being like the, the Copec long relief type deal, you know, so that way they can keep him going through the entire season. Now, how much, you know, I, I realistically, I mean, you're probably looking at like 60 innings, maybe, you know, it's not going to be anything, uh, you know it's not going to be anything crazy there's not going to be any you know 115 125 innings it's just not going to not going to happen so you know um, i guess we see you know we'll see what happens i mean you're looking at uh, you know with crochet and copach you know depending on when copach is at 100% you know you know right. how, how much of an innings limit is that going to put on him you know, for his, uh, you know, for his knee. I mean, I would hope that it's not going to be much, but, you know, I mean, we watched... I mean, we literally just watched Lance Lynn come back from knee surgery, and it took him a good, like, two months to get to a point where he looked like the old Lance Lynn again, you know? So I, I have to imagine... I, I, how about this? I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, we're looking you know, a month and a half into the season and Kopech's finally starting to like start to
1: feel it again. Right. Really get rolling. And, you know, to be honest with you, I, that to me is a fairly optimistic look, you know, Uh, a month and a half in the season leaves you a long, a long time where if he is in his groove from that point on, uh, would make him a pretty competitive pitcher for the better part of the season. So, you know, I'm actually kind of hopeful for that at this point. Did you happen to catch any of his uh little interview the other day? I did not, no. Uh, well, you know, he apparently has said that uh, you know, starting pitching and at least adding one arm to the rotation this season, uh, and he hinted at losing Johnny Cuato to free agency, or he talked about losing you know, Johnny Cuato to free agency this year. Wow. But uh, you know. He also kind of hinted at possibly bringing Johnny Cueto back, the thirty-six-year-old uh, bounce-back phenom who had the best year of his career in the last five years with the uh, White Sox last season. So, uh, you know, when he makes these kind of hints at bringing him back, what is your thought process on that? Well, see, uh, the
0: the part that I that I heard. And yes, I know that they were talking about bringing Johnny Cueto back, and that was the question. Uh, the The thing that I heard loudest from his quote was, "We have to let free agency run its course." Right. To me, knowing what they've said, you know what Han has come out directly and said, which is the trade is going to be more fruitful than free agency for the White Sox. Um, that basically says to me that if he's saying, "Oh yeah, I'd love to have Johnny Cueto back," but we have to wait for free agency to run its course. More or less, what that's telling me is, is there's no chance that he's resigning because he's going to ask for you know twelve million dollars, probably somewhere around there. I mean, I, what uh, Corey Kluber, coming off of his surgery, got I think twelve from the Yankees, if I remember correctly, and he was awful.
1: Yeah, and, negative war from yeah, the season.
0: Yeah, he was bad and got hurt again, and he got twelve million after no previous proof of him being back to normal. You know, he was coming right. back, you know. I mean, he you know, of course, yeah, he threw for you know, threw for some agents and you know, for some some teams and whatever. But that's a side session. You know? Yeah, showcase poker. is completely
1: different yeah. than actual uh full speed, you know, baseball pitching live batters, the whole nine.
0: Yeah. So yeah. That's, completely different animal. That's, that's my thinking is that I, I think it was a pretty clear, I mean, I don't, you know, I understand that he has history with Cueto from San Francisco. And I understand that uh, Pedro has, you know, history with him from, you know, the Kansas city Royals, uh, world series teams. Yeah. I get all that, but I just, uh, spending that kind of money. I just, you know, unless Han is doing a masterful job of misdirection, I don't, I, I seriously doubt it's going to happen. So I think that we're going to be looking more at like, uh, you know, some other free agent that's a few rungs down from Johnny Cueto.
1: Yeah. I, I, am not saying that I disagree with what you whatsoever, any of that. I, I actually, uh, kind of chuckled to myself when I heard. That uh, that little snippet, and uh, you know, it just kind of made me laugh because, again, this was Johnny Cueto's uh, best performance in you know five or six years, and to think at thirty six years old, and he's not missing a lot of bats. That's, I mean, that's the big thing. Of course, you know, ninety one as your top velocity is not maybe going to pump a lot of balls out of the ballpark guys were hitting the ball a lot. Sox were fortunate enough that they were hitting it right at most of our guys most of the time. So uh and you know he did have a, a pretty stellar, you know, walk uh ratio, a walk percentage, uh, which is awesome. But is that repeatable for I, a guy yeah. who has missed some time and been injured? And I you know it's it is possible. But, again, there at some point you have, to start, you have to start looking at a guy who's got some mileage on him, some some, uh, uh, some times around the block, I guess, if you yeah, will. Yeah,
0: no, for sure. It's injury
1: history that here's going to be some regression. Yeah.
0: I You know, I mean, I'm not, you know, we've seen this from the some of those older cats. You know, they come back and uh, they kind of, you know, he's been a pitcher for quite a while, you know, instead of a, a thrower, if you will. Yeah. Um, you know, but uh, Grimtel says, I think you kind of got to walk away from Cueto. So I don't think that's happening. Again, Sox fans fall in love with those reclamation projects. And, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know is that they necessarily feel that they fall in love with them. I think that they fall in <laughs> love with the um, the success stories, you know, which, which ha- are far and few between, you know. Right. Uh, we have a first-time chat from Officer Doofy says, I need to swap my Intimidators hat for the uh, – marvel ballers hat i was it was in the plans to get one i just i haven't ordered it yet that and the new knights hat i need to get one of those as well um
1: yeah i'm digging a new color scheme down there and a new logo uh i think i will be joining you on the adventure
0: uh socks need to focus on that farm system there's some beautiful arms and talent coming through the system that are getting slept on yeah, 100%. Well, I mean, I wouldn't say, you know, a Baseball prospectus just uh, put out their top, uh, what is it, top 20 or top 30 of White Sox prospects. And I think number four and number five are Vera and uh, Chris- Christian Mena. And then, uh, you yeah, know, let's take a look here. Um, so one, two, and three are Montgomery, Colas, and Brian Ramos. And then, uh, then you go to pitchers. You got Vera, Mena, Noah Schultz and Peyton Paulette um are the next are the next couple of guys so i mean there there are some there are some guys that are uh that are getting some love from the national you know media if you will yeah um,
1: unfortunately, a couple of those guys are still a little bit away. We won't see them for a little bit of time anyway you yeah. might see I uh, might see one or two of them crack a bullpen
0: yeah I mean let's hope not man i I just you know you've got <laughs> these guys that are starters, and you know like uh you know yeah some of them might end up as relievers in the in the long run but uh you know having these guys go up for project Birmingham to double a was was nice to see what a Jared Kelly could do and what, you know what nor vera and you know Christian mena can do, and you know um yeah it's just I, i'm I'm very optimistic about that top end pitching talent. You know, uh, I think that the, the thing that we need to see more of is the fact that, uh, you know, like some of these other guys that are coming in a little bit lower, you know, that they can start to ratchet it up a little bit, Uh, you know, and the weird thing, I didn't even think about this now that I'm you know, now that I'm looking at it again is Sean Burke isn't on until number 10 and he's, you know, they moved him up to Charlotte. So, you know, there's some, yeah, that's kind of shocking. Stuff. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, I would say shocking. he was, you know, he was an advanced guy from the from the get go. I think the thing was is like it, for him, I think it was a comfortability factor is that he moved up quite a few times this season. So I think that the uh, you know each time he would get bumped up, he would be like, I got to go out and show him. And, you know, like the command would get a little bit erratic for a little bit. And, you know, after a couple of starts, settle in in a little bit. Yeah.
1: The reason I say it's shocking, though, is there is a whole uh, kind of there's a whole group of people out there, some with what I guess you would call maybe insider information that seem to think that uh, Sean Burke is going to follow along the same lines as a Davis Martin trajectory last year. And, uh, you know, he might be the guy that bounces back and forth a little bit between Charlotte and the big league club, making some spot starts and, yeah. and, you know, might even have a couple of extended, uh, stays throughout the season, you know, like Davis Martin did. The funny thing is, is I, have we heard anything about Davis Martin since he, uh, since the end of the season? Uh not I have specifically, not, seen anything. not specifically, but uh Rick Hahn
0: did mention him in his press conference and said that uh, or in, in one of his uh one of his interviews, maybe I they might probably at the uh GM meetings that uh Davis Martin was gonna be, you know, around a lot. So I would assume that he's probably fine if they're mentioning him okay. in, in that capacity. Uh, Officer Doofy says Project Birmingham was great for those guys. Needed a change of scenery. Being stuck in the same spot for a while drains you, and they needed a change. Yeah, there was also, you know, there's was mention um, by Justin Gersley, that the uh, manager of the Barons, you know, was saying that he had seen a lot of, you know, energy at the end of the season when those guys all moved up, and he said, and usually that's not the case. You know, after, you know, that long draining grind that these guys go through, you know, hanging out and, uh, you know, I, I won't necessarily say that it's a flea bag motel, but, you know, uh, like after the grind that they've gone through for the entire year is that, you know, you don't see that kind of energy, you know, at the end of the year in the minor league season. And, uh, you know, that the other coaches were saying to them that, you know, these guys coming up, you know, they're like 19, 20 years old and they're coming up and they're hitting the ball hard and they're playing with energy and, you know, it was awesome. So that's, that's very cool. It says, oh I watched it up close and personal. Let me tell you it was prettier than a free twenty-four ounce ribeye. Well, I like that. I like a twenty-four ounce ribeye. Um so uh to to move along, um as far as the uh the, the, the coaching hires, uh so I uh, think anyway, James Fox caught it on LinkedIn, but uh Mike Tosar, who had been rumored to be Coming over to the White Sox as the hitting coach, has he said that he has accepted a the role of infield or a field coordinator for the White Sox. Now, it had been uh, talked about that the reason why he's got this uh, interesting job title is because they didn't, you know, it has it can't be a lateral move for him to move from organization to organization. So that's why they came up with uh, something called the field coordinator. Um, The the only thing I will say in contrary to that is that he was a special assignments hitting coach. He wasn't the hitting coach for the Royals. So technically if he had, had he come over as the hitting coach, it would be technically a promotion. I would have to assume, I mean, yes, it's still, you know, special assignment hitting coach is still a hitting coach, you know, but it's not the, it's not the guy, you know? Um, right. The equivalent in the White Sox system is Devin DeYoung, you know? And he's not, you know, he wasn't uh, Frank Menachino. And if he was to take a job as a hitting coach, you know, as the main hitting coach for the big league club for whoever it was to get hired by, it would definitely be considered a promotion, regardless.
1: Yeah, you would think so because it's like you said, it's not even, it's not Frank Menachino. Uh, you know, or in the past regime, I won't even say the current regime, or even Howie Clark, for that matter, who was the assistant hitting coach. So, uh, yeah, it is an interesting uh label to put on Mr. Tosar, but, uh, you know, it remains to be seen what his full uh, job will entail. But, uh, you know, the, the, the White Sox are making some moves outside of the organization, like we've talked about. It is not the insular, familiar name, uh, former White Sox employee slash White Sox player that they are bringing about to, you know, what most fans would say, help sell tickets, you know, with that familiarity. Not with the
0: crowd lately, anyway. It certainly wouldn't uh, help selling tickets.
1: <laughs> no. So, you know, uh, you have to imagine that uh, Pedro Gruffal, and the people that he's got around him right now are kind of looking at things from a different perspective than we are used to. And you can only hope that whatever that perspective is, it is better than the one that we have had for the last couple of seasons. You know, I don't want to take anything away from Tony Larissa's accomplishments, like I've said in the past, but, you know, the game passed him up. It was pretty obvious. Uh, if you are a TLR supporter, I'm sorry. I am not here to offend anyone. I am trying to be amicable as, uh, Ian would say, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you know, uh, and I'm sure that, uh, we are going to get into more on uh, some of these additions here shortly.
0: Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I bring, I bring up special assignment hitting coach for the white Sox, and that that's, uh, Devin DeYoung. Um, I happen to sit in on, uh, you know, as you are aware, uh, BaseballProsAcademy dot which is uh, Coach Andy the uh, yeah Andy Barquette, the White Sox minor league hitting coordinator. Um, I happen to sit on on some of his webinars that he puts on, and uh, one of the recent webinars, not the, the 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 last one, but the the one before that, uh, he had Devin DeYoung on and um it was a webinar geared towards uh technology in you know for baseball use obviously um and the thing is the white sox you know get such a bad rap for not being analytic you know not being an analytical team really uh you know which we definitely saw in the majors with uh t l r and uh i have definitely mentioned previously that i th- think that he's the reason why some of that staffing, you know, those staff numbers went down. um but having him, you know, go through and talk about the things that he is doing down in the minor leagues um you know, he's talking about uh using blast motion sensors and force plates and hit tracks and Rapsodo and K vests, uh, which are made by K motion. Um, and also, uh, which is a, a 3d vest that, that hitters wear. So you can, you know, get a, uh, biomechanical representation in 3d of what the body's doing. Uh, basically, you know, like blast motion does that as well. Um, where you can get like a 3d representation of a swing from, you know, the sensor that you put in a bat, and uh, then there's also another one called 4D Motion, which is um, like an eight sensor uh, 3D thing that you can also use to to get all sorts of measurements and everything. Which actually on the uh, advisory board for 4D Motion is um, Kevin Long, uh, who is... You know, talked about it being one of the guys that the White Sox were maybe going to look at for manager of the you know before Griffal got hired. Um, but uh, hearing Devin DeYoung talk about all this stuff and getting all this data to the hitters is you know a breath of fresh air coming you know from the school of thought that you know most people have that the White Sox are not look you know, using any of that information. They're not giving their hitters any of this information you know, blah blah so forth. Um he told a story um about using the force plates with Romy Gonzalez uh in Arizona when Romy Use was yeah, when he was coming back from his uh from his tonsil surgery, he had like infected tonsils or something like that, and ended up having to have that have them removed and That's what, like, he had a bunch of stuff going on last year. You know, that was the reason he was out for so long. But, um, you know, talking about using the force plates and going through and looking at biomechanical information for this stuff and seeing that Romy, when when Romy would go to coil up for a swing, that he could coil his hips first before he lifted his foot up. And it was, I I guess, you know, it was one of those things where – uh, I don't know if you saw the video of Romy before he started uh, before he went back to Charlotte um, I think he hit something like five home runs or something like that in like a span of like three days in Arizona and it was it was specifically having to do with this information that he got from uh, a program and so this program he uh, during the season last year he worked uh, at the you know Sitting here, working, trying to figure out how to best get this data to hitters, and so what he did was he went and talked. Sorry about that. I need to get no. some uh, some some juice there. Um, so he goes and talks to the hi- the head uh, biomechanist for the White Sox, and so you know when I heard him say that, like my ears perked up. A head biomechanist, you know, like who is um, this biomechanist? Yeah, so I'm like, wait a second, the White Sox have a head biomechanist? Like, what is going on here? And so, yeah,
1: we have not heard this before. Yeah, so he's like,
0: (laughs) he's like, yeah, so I go and talk to this head biomechanist, and uh, and he can code, and (sighs) so we went through and uh, made this program that takes all of these measurements and spits out the relevant data that we want and we simplified the numbers so we can give our hitters the relevant information that is going to help them with what they need to work on and exactly what they need to do and you know head biomechanics I like this guy sounds like a hero you know and the <laughs> fact that the fact that the guy can code and write this, you know, write this whole thing down so they can take the information and pare it down to just the important stuff. You know, the stuff that's going to simplify things for the hitters. I was like, oh, this is awesome. I come to find out that that head biomechanist is Chris Johnson, who is now going to be on the White Sox staff. So this ties in with the drive line. This ties in with the strength and conditioning coach that just came over and them shifting to more of a biomechanical thing. And that's why, you know, when I put out that teaser, uh, the teaser tweet earlier, you know, saying that this whole thing's being slept on for the White Sox, this for CJ to be moved up from Charlotte to the White Sox is a huge deal for the White Sox because, The White Sox don't do this kind of thing. And for the fact that he's being moved up, you know, that that speaks volumes. You know, you heard all season long when these guys would go down, you know, when Gavin Sheets got sent down, when Grandal came back up after being injured, Uh, you know, Danny Mendick goes down, comes back up, starts hitting the ball. Every single one of these guys, Romy Gonzalez, all these guys working with
1: CJ in Charlotte, right? And so and it'd come back and hit, yeah,
0: exactly. Until and,
1: Frank broke him again.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, there's there may be a little bit of truth to that, um, but yes, CJ can code, Grimtall. That's exactly what I'm saying. Is that this is like. This, uh, for me, looking at this from the outside, this, this one's a, a big deal. And the thing that is you know, strange is that, uh, you know, I, he- I-, I saw some fans from other organizations saying, "Oh, the White Sox are a joke. They, don't- they just don't care, seeing that CJ had gotten bumped up to the major League staff. Now, it didn't say that it was the hitting coach but it said that he had bumped, been bumped up to the major league coaching staff. And so, you know, people were immediately saying, oh, this guy's, you know, he hit like, what, 275 or something like that in the majors. What the, what are these guys doing? Blah, blah, blah. You know, I, I'm looking at it more from a what can this guy do from a coaching aspect and from, you know, everything. I mean, if you look at Triple uh, A Jeff uh, that is a Future Sox guy, if you look at some of his tweets, you know, he's got uh, – all sorts of interviews with CJ and he's very giving of his time, you know, and is sitting there and going through a bunch of the stuff that he's doing with these hitters. And, you know, you can see why he's a good coach.
1: So absolutely personally, and, you know, I'm excited. Yeah. And here's the thing, uh, you know, we talk about it now. I know Grimtall is, uh, you know, kind of drew, that uh, CJ can code, but you know you're talking about a guy who you know what some people might call uh, a tech geek. You know you get, you get some of these old timers that uh, don't exactly understand the uh, world of IT that is changing constantly around them every day. Uh, but not only do you have that in him, you've got a guy who understands biomechanics, a guy who understands how the body works and operates, and can. Uh, essentially work and operate better under the right coaching and conditions. Uh, you know, you, you put those two things together, and it feels like it's something the White Sox may have been missing at the major league level for some time that quite possibly other teams have been doing and are a little bit ahead of the game. So, you know, it's it's a step in the direction that we certainly have been hoping for uh, we've talked about for years we'd like to see more of this type of you know move instead of the lateral move that we've been seeing a lot of from the white sox you know year over year where we get oh well we're going to upgrade this part of the coaching staff or that part of the organization and it just seems to be same of the, it's the same old same old we're basically just swapping personnel in and out but personnel that kind of have the qualifications that the last guy had it's and exactly it's, what it is, right? And it's it's kind of the, it's that you know the old saying of you know doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. You know, it's the definition of insanity. And we are finally starting to see a move towards something different, something more along the lines of what the rest of the league is kind of moved towards. And you know, like it or not, sports has become a game of analysis more than it ever was in the past. And it's going to continue in that direction with all the new technologies and the new ways of measuring skills. Uh, You know, life is about numbers no matter what, you know, job or or aspect of life you're looking at. Everything can be broken down by math. You know, some, some scientists believe every little piece of life can be broken down into math and baseball is no different and they're finding ways to do it. So, uh, you know, again, like you, I am optimistic and less cautiously uh, on this front, but I am optimistic that, uh, you know, maybe we can uh, bring about some change here and see some positive results. You know, you said that some of the results were there in the last season, uh, albeit we would like to see, you know, more uh, better results. But, you know, the fact is, is the things are moving in a more positive direction for what I believe this team, you know, really needs to take the step into the, you know, the 20th or the, I'm sorry, the, the, the 21st century.
0: Yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, seeing what's going on here in the chat. No, it's uh yeah. Jeremy Habers, the assistant GM. Um, I believe Chris Getz is the director of minor leagues. Uh, what is it? Uh, what is his exact title? Let me look here. Uh, da, 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 da. Chris Getz, uh, assistant... Oh, yeah, he's assistant GM. Assistant GM uh, slash player development guy. So, yeah. So, I guess technically... But it's minor league operations as opposed to the major league operations, which uh, Jeremy Haber's the major league guy. So... Uh, yes, Griffall and Getz were with the Royals at the same time. Yes, they were. So, um, uh, Jose Abreu rumors to uh, San Diego. How are you feeling about that?
1: Uh. <laughs> There's a part of that that feels like San Diego is here. And, it, oh, it pains me to say this. But it just feels like over the last five years or so, their sole purpose is to troll (laughs) the White Sox. 100%.
0: 100%. (laughs) It just feels that way.
1: At least the fan base. The the team sells to this new ownership group who is uh, a group of investment bankers and investment specialists. And uh, you know they go and they they get this whole plan together for renovating and building a new stadium and an entire you know party district around the stadium to make it a uh, a destination uh, for the fans, a destination for free agents. Which I mean, come on, San Diego is a destination for anybody, really. Yeah. Some of the most beautiful weather and and you know country and in, in the in the world. But you know now then they go out and they they just want, they're going to sign everybody that we. Anybody that's who, who's anybody that we're in on, they're going to take our trades and turn them into, you know, uh, household names, whether or not that pans out might be a different story, or Whether but, he's on PEDs, Yeah. Whether or not he's on PEDs or, you know, he's got a bum shoulder that, you know, likes to slip out every and now and back. again. Yeah. You know, all <laughs> these things, but then, you know, there were rumors that Jose Abreu was drawing interest from the Cubs, which, you know, a lot of. Sox fans thought was a slap in the face already. How can, you, how can you let Jose Abreu go and he's going to sign with the Cubs? And then the news comes out that lo and behold, guess who else has got a vacancy at first base slash DH? Oh, the Padres really? They don't want Jose Abreu, do they? Oh, yes. Yes, they do. They are well, quite why, interested. Why wouldn't they? You know Why, why wouldn't they? Yeah, yeah, it it just feels that way. So, I mean, all I can do is chuckle at this point when you bring up questions like that, but I would love. I would absolutely love to hear your take.
0: I <laughs> uh, you know, I'm I'm with you on the trolling thing. I mean, it's uh it makes me laugh, uh but I completely understand it, you know. Um for him, it's beautiful weather, uh a chance to go to a team that is being competitive and seems like they're serious about trying to win a World Series. I mean, you know, besides the fact that the the Dodgers are standing in their way, that's not stopping them from doing things, you know, as opposed to, you know, like what you see going on here, and you're like, okay, well, you know, they said they were going to be serious, but then here we are, and it's still like the only difference, you know, with the team is Lance Lynn and Yasmani Grandel from – the people that were in the organization when they were making the claims that they were going to be serious about it, you know, like all the things that they said that they were going to do, you know, the only difference is that Lance Lynn's on the team and Grandal's on the team. Everybody else's, you know, was in the organization at the time. So, you know, like I don't blame Jose if he was looking at it and looking at it that way. Yes, they did trade Jordan Alvarez to the Astros because they didn't need him at the time, I guess. But, um, yeah, I mean, like, the whole thing's just kind of, I I understand it, and if he was to go sign there, I wouldn't say that it was, you know, outside of the realm of possibilities, and I wouldn't blame him one bit for doing it. Um, the only thing that I will say that kind of hurts is, you know, when I when I look at, uh, you know, Nick Murawski, our, our buddy over there, doing the Locked On socks thing, and kind of twist in the knife when he's bringing up the stuff from 2019 when he's talking about Jose Abreu talking about, you know, trusting Jerry and how he's never going to wear another Jersey in his life. And he's going to be with this team and how he's, you know, got a, uh, a sense of, uh, you know, love for Jerry and, and, uh, wanting to be a white Sox for the rest of his life. And, uh, You know, you can't say that that
1: all of us have not fallen into that, you know, love story with Jose Abreu, though. Uh, You know, we we've all seen the multiple, multiple contracts that were team friendly that Jose Abreu could have easily done more as far as, you know, his own personal finances. Yeah, right. He could have made a lot more money, uh, but he stayed at home. And we all made the assumption that, uh, you know, uncle Jerry pitched him that he was going to be a, a you know, a member of the white Sox forever. You know, post playing days, we'll make you a team ambassador. We'll find a place, you know, for you to coach or
0: still might you know, happen. working.
1: But... It, it's very possible. It might happen. But the fact is, is he's going to wear another Jersey come the 2023 season. There's there's no doubt in my mind that, uh, uh, you know, unless somehow the White Sox pull a rabbit out of their hat, which I don't find likely at all, there just isn't room for four or five DHs on this team. We just need to let
0: free agency run its course. You yeah, know?
1: we need to let free agency run its course.
0: <laughs> yeah, 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 uh, yeah. yeah that, you know, it's it's aggravating, but uh, you know, leaves
1: a lot to be desired, doesn't it? That that statement.
0: Yeah, it really does. I, I we'll see we'll see where things end up and. You know we've talked about how we expect this free agency thing to go we'll see we'll see where it ends up uh, when we come up to uh, spring training and opening day and we'll see where we're at you know
1: yeah so you talk about free agency you want to uh, you want to talk a little bit about some of the rumors that have gone around lately oh no uh, I mean you want to stay away from it which which ones are
0: in particular are we talking about here
1: uh, there's one in particular that i'd really like to kind of touch on just for a moment we don't have to get too crazy into it but you know the whole uh cody bellinger thing has been popping up a lot on on social media and (laughs) i see you roll your eyes and gotta trust me when i say this i don't bring this up with glee (laughs) i kind of giggle at that whole thing too but uh thoughts
0: well grimtel being our Resident uh, Dodgers guy, I'm sure he's got something to say about it. We talked about it earlier this week, and he <laughs> no, in big letters. Um, yeah, I, I kind of, <laughs> I, I know that uh, w- me and him spoke about it earlier before I had even heard anything about it. But uh, he had said that the consensus, like pretty much in Dodgerland, is that they were going to resign him, and that's kind of where I was at. But even without that being the case. Yeah, he's left-handed, and yes, he did win an MVP, and he's got a Gold Glove, uh,
1: a Gold Glove or former Rookie of the Year. Yeah, yeah, fine.
0: Yeah, all that stuff's great. Um, (laughs) But the thing is, is that you have to you have to trust that he's going to be able to be fixed,
1: right? In order for it to be done, anything since the MVP season,
0: he says he is cooked. Okay, this isn't a video game. We can't change his ratings to ninety nine. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, I mean, like I—that's the thing. That's exactly okay. So now we've got the answer there. That that was kind of my thought as well. Is that you know, um, since that shoulder thing, you know, since he did like that hooking shoulder thing in uh, the NLCS or whatever it was uh, a few years back, like his shoulders smoked, and since then he's been terrible. He hasn't been able to find his swing, and you know, I, I saw a tweet from somebody on Twitter that said, "If the Dodgers couldn't fix Cody Bellinger, I have zero faith that the White Sox <laughs> would be able to fix Cody
1: Bellinger." Not, I, but, but, I but, 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 you know, but, but bio, biomechanics. Yeah, yeah, bio-mechanics. no, that's that's Cody no I, biomechanics. Yeah,
0: that's great, but I mean, you're taking, a, <laughs> I mean, you're you're taking like a guy that is hitting one ninety five, two hundred and expecting him to come back to mvp form or hoping that you know the, the biomechanist can help him get back to mvp form and that's just that's too much to ask from anybody you know i mean okay so you know like say the biomechanist helps him you know cj helps him and he's he gets him back up to like 240 is that going to be is that going to be good enough i mean it you know depending
1: on what you're paying i guess but i mean you know what i'm saying Well, and that's the thing. I think that's the narrative that a lot of Sox fans are kind of looking at there in the whole expectation of not spending a lot in free agency. They think that because of his down numbers over the last, you know, since he was, you know, in that MVP season, uh, that he'll come cheap, he'll come cheap and there won't be a lot of interest from him. Yet every article you see out there says so-and-so There's like 20 teams that are showing interest in this guy. Why? Because they all think he's cheap and they all think he could be a bounce back candidate. (laughs) Yeah. Three years Uh, later. So what do you, uh, you know, and and that's the case as Sox fans. God, you know, I love you all. I love your passion. Uh, uh, But please stop. We have fallen into this rut of expecting too little because I, and I get why. I get why. Because we have probably gotten too little as Sox fans. We the money has been spent in the wrong ways. Is, you know, can we call the organization cheap? I don't know that we can use that word for the organization overall, but the way they spend money has been absolutely garbage. Absolutely garbage because they want to be cheap by not signing the household big name player. So what do we do? We pine after guys who were, like Grimtall said, cooked. <laughs> we, we pine after these guys who were somebody once before. And, you know, I'm sorry, but the whole coop will fix them thing is a term that is Cats long gone. Them. And, uh, you know, it's never really worked for position players on the White Sox. We not. have not done well in the reclamation project forever. Uh, f- ever. So I'm sorry. I had to bring it up. I had to get that off my chest. And I'm glad that uh, I'm glad that I did because I got some chuckles out of that. One.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, the, the way I look at it, you know, is that, you know, <clears throat> so we moved to a more analytically based uh, thing, you know, biomechanics, blah, blah. You know, I'm not expecting, you know, the them to be able to take a guy that's hitting 250 and him to become MVP type caliber player. But the thing that, you you know, supposedly, you know, the thing that you hear all the time about the White Sox is that they're so talented. How are they so bad? You know, that was the thing you heard all last year. And I know that, uh, you know, there's some motivation stuff there and there's probably some, you know, of course, the uh, everybody talking about accountability, this and that. And, uh, you know, everybody coming up with all sorts of different reasons as to why the White Sox weren't doing what they were supposed to be doing. Yeah, cliquey club. Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah, and, and people don't like each other, what, whatever. I mean, like the thing is, is that there have been teams for ages where the players hate each other's guts and they still play baseball, you know, and they still put up their numbers, and that just didn't happen. So, I mean, clearly it's it's good that that there is a a change in philosophy um, whether or not it will change everything, I I don't know. But you know what? It's we see what it's worked. You know what has worked for other teams with less talent. So the guys that are on this, you know, on this team, it'll be nice to see that you know if they can possibly benefit from some of that stuff as well. And that's that's all I'm looking for from it. You know.
1: Yeah, and I think you know. It- one of the big things I'd like to see this off season that we haven't really talked about yet is because we do have a new coaching staff coming here uh, on the South side uh, and there is no lockout. And as of right now, no shortened season, I don't want to jinx that. Hey, it won't be because the last few years have been a bit rough, but um, I would like to hope that with this regime change uh, and the fact that, you know, these guys can, stay in contact with each other this off season that, you know, there's going to be that, that uh, transition period where everybody's kind of going to get comfortable with each other and take a little time to uh, feel each other out, understand each other, get on the same page. And I would hope that, you know, maybe not necessarily going into like full on workout mode, you know, you obviously want to see these guys, you know, keep up in the off season. You don't want to see them get, you know, fat and lazy, put on extra pounds thinking that uh, that's the best thing for them talking to you Luke uh you hope that uh maybe uh there will be some some time some some a good deal of time taken for this team to kind of come together and jail, gel because if any of those rumors of the team not really gelling and getting along in the clubhouse last year are true even if it's a little true that's something I think they're going to need to, uh, address rather quickly before, you know, the season is afoot.
0: Yeah. Um, so, I mean, you know, you heard in the, uh, cats interviews that he's now, you know, that they took some time off, but now he's got his pitchers working again on what they need to, uh, what they need to be doing to get, to get better. And, uh, so he's, he's doing that. But I, in the last, uh, Andy Barquette uh, webinar. Uh, he is in the Dominican. He's actually, uh, he got a call a couple weeks ago to go down and become the hitting coach for the Toros in the Dominican Republic. So he's been down there um, doing that. Plus also handing out, you know, sending out plans and talking to all the players within the White Sox org, you know, giving them all their you know, all their assignments for the upcoming season as well and what they need to work on. So, um, you know, they, they are being talked to despite the fact that, you know, it is, uh, it is the off season. Now that there is no lockout, they can actually talk to these guys. I mean, I granted coach Barquette could anyway, cause he was minor league and they weren't, uh, they weren't locked out,
1: but, uh, still. So, yeah, well, you know, minor league's one thing, but, uh, You know, there was a lot of uh, stumbling by the major league club this year and uh, this past season. And and I really don't want to see that again. (laughs) No. Uh, I could do without that as well, yes. Yeah, I mean, you know, for all the changes that we are seeing, uh, there still are steps to the process that need to happen. And uh, I think that's probably a pretty big one is you've got to get that familiarity long before we to camp, you know, uh, I'm sure there's probably some sort of plans in the works. I would just like to see, I, you know, I would like to get some kind of news that the white Sox, you know, the players themselves are taking it upon themselves to get together, maybe work out together, spend some time together this off season and do some things on their own to uh, kind of, Quiet the criticism that the heart wasn't there. You know what I mean. Uh, They didn't. There was all that talk about they didn't play with any fire. They didn't really seem to care. They just seemed defeated before they ever started a game. You know, there was no energy in the dugout. Whatever, however you want to phrase it. Uh, You know, the one thing is, is all these coaching changes, staff changes, uh, organizational changes. when you're talking about changing the culture, I think you have to include the players in this as well too. And they've got to take that responsibility squarely on their shoulders to figure out whatever their differences are and fix them and make a concerted effort to do so.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's their job, you know, right to be professional. I mean, uh, regardless of what's going on in the, uh, in the dugout and all this stuff, you know, be professional, do your job, and uh, put up some numbers, you know? Be the change. Be the change. Be Yeah, be the change in the game, I guess. So we'll see what happens this year. Um, yeah, so I think that's a f- good place to stop for this week. And uh, hopefully next week there will be some other uh, changes to the coaching staff that we can – Take a look at and uh, be some interesting stuff, hopefully, um, or at least uh, how about a formal announcement about what they're actually doing? Um, you know, you've got uh, unlikely <laughs> Logan, Logan Jones saying that uh, that it's an innovative, uh, you know, health and strength and conditioning coach, uh, you know, system that they're coming up with. I want to hear about it. Let's let's talk about it. Let's let's see what's going on. So, you know, let's hope that uh, some of that stuff happens. You know. Yeah. So anyway, uh, WhiteSocksDaily. Substack. Com uh, at Daily White Socks on the still functioning Twitter. How long that's functioning for? Uh, we finally hit five thousand people. So the, apparently that was the uh, that was just the, the breaking point that it, we finally hit five thousand and we it's broke just gonna, Twitter. Yeah, it's just gonna finally go under now. Um, <laughs> but we have a Facebook page as well, uh, where you can find, uh, some stuff and then, uh, YouTube, which I haven't uploaded a whole lot to as of late, but, uh, you know, I should, and I think I'm going to put it yeah. together like some, uh, like little tiny, uh, tiny things, you know, like shorts or whatever to put up on the, on the YouTube at some point. But, uh, um,
1: YouTube's a good follow, uh, in the during the season, during the regular season, if you want to catch uh some game highlights from the minor league clubs, uh, things that you Yeah, don't if you want them all compiled on into our,
0: one into one yeah.
1: thing. Yeah, the things the things that you kind of the little snippets you see uh on our Twitter feed, you will see put together in uh, one compact little place there on, on the U tubs.
0: Yeah. You you have a great night as well, Mr. Pusher Robot.
1: And, Hi, uh, pusher. Good good night. Yeah,
0: so, uh, yeah, we'll pop back on next Monday, 9 o'clock. Hopefully some good stuff comes up. Um, We'll see, though. This has been White Sox Daily Live. My name is Ian Eskridge, and from my co-host, the Danny Miller. You guys have a great night, and we will catch you guys next week. Thanks. Bye bye